It's a movement, but it's about people. Be the People is about we the people joining forces to reclaim and reshape the best of our nation's time-treasured traditions. Each week, we offer insightful interviews with movers and shakers from all different spheres of life. And now, please welcome Dr. Carol Swain. Welcome to another episode of the Be The People Show. We've just had another national election. And as is the usual case in America and other nations, you always have a sizable percentage of the population upset about the election results. And in this election in particular, uh, both sides have claimed voter fraud quite often. And yet we know that in America, when there is an election, the uh, people accept the results, at least we're supposed to accept the results and look to the elected leader to represent all Americans. Whenever we're looking at our national government and America as a whole and the nation, there are always spiritual forces behind the events that happen in our world. And we as Christians look to the Bible for guidance to help us during these times of turmoil. Joining me today is a familiar voice on the Be The People podcast. It's Bobby Harrington, the pastor of Harpeth Christian Church. He's the founder and CEO of Decipheship.org and co-founder and CEO of Renew.org. And Bobby has been on the Be The People podcast before And so let's welcome him back. And one of the first things I want to ask him is just what do we do? What are the spiritual insights uh, for our time? How can we get through this period when there's so many Americans unhappy? Carol, it's great to be with you. And thank you for the privilege of joining you on Be The People podcast. You know, I I think there's three key things that... um, are super important for us in this season. So let me mention them briefly. The first thing is that we must remember that um, we are called to respect the freedom of others. Uh, God gave human beings free will, and God himself uh, allows us the freedom to make choices, and we have to allow each other that same freedom. You know, freedom is a great American theme. It's actually grounded in a, a biblical worldview, And so because we know that God gives us free will, uh, we want to give that to others. So I think first off, it's time to honor what we as a nation have done from the beginning, and that is to honor the choices of others, even if we realize there's half the people that we may not agree with them. Secondly, uh, I I just want to say it's always right to pray. In fact, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2 describes what God wants us to do. Let me read it to you. He says this through the Apostle Paul. I urge then, first of all, that prayers, petitions, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. So there are the ideas that government authority, we pray uh, for our leaders, and we pray that all of us would be able to live peaceful and quiet lives. Now, 2020 has not been a time for peaceful and quiet lives, but that's what we pray for. And then thirdly, 
we remember that those who do not agree with us, we still need to love each other. I mean, most of your listeners will be familiar with the story of the Good Samaritan. They'll be, store, they'll be familiar with the great commandment, which is that we love God and love other people. Well, I so certainly the, hope so. <laughs> <laughs> so the story of the, of the Good Samaritan is, even if it's somebody, like a lot of us don't realize that story, the Samaritan was somebody who was like um, a non-believer or a foreign religion. And Jesus uses that as an example of how regardless of our backgrounds, we just need to love one another and a neighbor is anybody uh, that we come into contact that has need for compassion and mercy. So I think that uh, uh, these three things, that we recognize freedom, we're praying for our country, and we're going to seek to love those, including those we don't agree with. Those are important things right now. I agree oh, 100%. And I think that we have um, lost a lot of the sense of, of kindness. Yeah. And and respect for other human beings. And there's so much uh, identity politics. I talk about that all the time because if people are just focused on what they think benefits their group, whether it's the political group, the racial group, or, uh, you know, the sex or gender group, sexual orientation, then um, that doesn't work out so well, does it? No. In fact, let's talk uh, just a little bit about this because I think in the aftermath of the election, this is really important. American society was built on this concept of free will that's coupled with tolerance, where uh, historically we have wanted to show tolerance to other citizens who disagree with us. In fact, at our best, the universities and public discourse is about tolerance and respect for one another. Right. So, uh, Part of that is just part of the Judeo-Christian ethos that we love our neighbors enough to respect their differences. And one of the things that's happening behind the things that you talk about in your Be the People podcast is that the cultural view of tolerance is changing. So let me contrast the two if I can, Carol. The first is the classic sense of tolerance, which, which basically holds that, hey, I disagree with you but I respect your right to your opinion. In other words, we disagree with each other, but we respect each other's right to hold to different beliefs. Uh, so we respect uh, choices. We respect the people who make those choices. We may not like it, but we respect their right to do what they're gonna do and to make the choices that they're gonna make. Unless of course it's violating the law or something like that. And we understand that the public space is to be a place where that kind of respect is shown for one another. Now, the problem is our culture, especially in the last 20 years, is moving away from that understanding of tolerance. And the new tolerance is this postmodern idea that every idea is equally valid. Right. And the people who get to decide are the people who control, the people that have the power. And so the new discourse, and Carol, uh, you and I have talked before about how it's really rooted in critical theory, kind of a postmodern critical theory that's taken over the universities. But in this way of understanding, I can only respect your choice if it fits my understanding and what I believe to be right, the way I think should, things should be. And if right. you don't view it that way, here's the frightening thing. It sets up conflict 
because uh, I'm going to demonize you. I'm going to describe you in all kinds of negative ways. And in fact, if I get power, I'm going to stop you from committing microaggressions against me because of the way you understand things. Those are two totally different ways of understanding. Right. Fortunately, our culture right now is in the throes of a huge cultural conflict around those two different ways of understanding tolerance. And for anyone that doesn't remember or doesn't know, a microaggression is a perceived threat. And the colleges and universities probably over the last 20 years, they have become increasingly politically correct where they try to uh, control people's speech, their thoughts, their actions. And we have trained young people to look for offense. And so when you have a society where everyone's looking for an offense, you know, that's not going to play out so well. And with the critical theory, it pretty much, uh, and especially critical race theory, divides the world into the oppressed and the oppressors. And, And under critical race theory, whites are the oppressors, people of color are the victims, they're the oppressed. And it makes it very difficult um, for people to trust each other and get along if one side is demonizing the other. Well, in fact, it's totally new in the history of the United States. Now, this, this kind of mindset, this kind of worldview, this way of thinking was very common in um, Russia for 70 years, under Mao Tse-sung in China for many years. And uh, even though people would reject explicit Marxism, it's uh, camel's nose under the tent through critical theory. Right. Carol, let me add something if I can. Well, let's, we need to take a break. Okay. And when we return, uh, you can add whatever you uh, were going to say, but we need to take a break. My fellow Americans, Our mission here at AmericaOutloud.com is clear. We're here to defend our founding values and principles at a moment when they are under unprecedented assault. And to cover the news objectively and offer intelligent commentary on the challenges we face as a nation. You can tune in and join our family of listeners 24-7 in this vital crusade. Our apps are on Apple, Android, or Alexa. Find us on iHeartRadio or our world-class media player. It is a fight for the soul of humanity. America Out Loud Talk Radio is the voice of liberty and justice for all. Be the People is sponsored by Cooper Steel, a family-owned business that provides the steel fabrications for buildings across the Southeast. Sixty years ago, Kenneth and Faye Cooper founded the company in Chevyville, Tennessee, which started as a vision is now a nationally recognized company that remains true to its founders' Judeo-Christian values and principles. Cooper Steel is committed to excellence, responsibility, and community. Its motto is build strong, stand strong. It treats its employees and customers like family. Learn more at coopersteel.com. I'm back with my guest, uh, Bobby Harrington. And Bobby, uh, you were going to, we were talking about critical theory. We had moved from uh, a discussion of tolerance. uh, And so you were going to add something. 
Yeah, thanks, Carol. Uh, yesterday, you and I were actually talking about this, and Dennis Prager had a very helpful framework. Here's what uh, he described. He said, you know, traditionally, uh, conservatives and liberals wanted a tolerant society uh, where you could debate ideas and we could elect officials to uphold those ideas. And the idea is that the public space was a place where, you know, hopefully the best idea would win. And, and uh, it was okay to critique ideas and uh, oftentimes even critique how people lived out those ideas. And that was fair game. But what's happened now is that we've moved further and further to the left. We no longer have the same view of tolerance. So here's what uh, Prager said. He said the people, as they move to the far left, they view tolerance differently because they view truth differently. In fact, they don't really believe in truth. They just right. believe in power and that there's an oppressed class and an oppressor class, and we've got we've to reverse those power differentials. That's kind of the dominant mindset. It's not argued for. It's just kind of a, a paradigm that people are introduced to and then they accept. So the further left you go, it's not about right or wrong. It's about control. And it's about not wanting certain facts and information to get out there. Uh, and it's very different than traditional liberalism and traditional conservatism. And I, I'd like to add to that, um, you know, under the critical theory and these new ideas, the learned experience of people from the victim class yeah. trumps truth. And so um, my experiences would trump any kind of facts that you could marshal that would have counter evidence because uh, you just can't question someone who's had quote lived experience. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And so what happens is that there's a whole um, different uh, subsections of people uh, who are grieved. So you have minorities that are grieved, racial minorities, you have women that are grieved, the LGBTQ community is grieved, uh, there's social justice grievance. And so what happens is that naturally leads to, since, since somebody's oppressing me, that leads to fear and that leads to hatred. It's, it's like a, a resentment culture, which is so different with, than the 1960s, where people like Martin Luther King were advocating forgiveness and, and love in the midst of it all. You don't hear those conversations right now. So, so the people on the left, they've been unwittingly trained to be intolerant of those who they disagree with. And there's this nurturing of resentment and hate that's, you know, spills out in the things that we've been seeing. Uh, and they define, here's a key thing too. If they can define you as an oppressor or a hater, it's okay to hate the haters. It's okay to hate the oppressors. Uh, and so you set up this whole conflict and it's, it's just ongoing conflict. Right. And it dehumanizes, you know, the person that they have uh, demonized as being evil. And that's something that um, we see so much of. And we do see a lot of violence and aggressiveness coming from the political left. And we don't see uh, a lot of forgiveness or expressions of love or 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 even the free speech, uh, the, the rights guaranteed under the Bill of Rights, the Constitution is no longer respected because it was drafted by um, affluent white men. And so, you know, you can't trust anything they would put together because it was based on self-interest. That's part of the argument. And what worries me is that we're moving further and further away from 
uh, our constitutional foundations, our Judeo-Christian roots, and our civil rights laws. And to me, that's quite dangerous. Yeah, I think that's right. So let me just say from a spiritual point of view, uh, how important it is that we encourage everybody to make a commitment to love those uh, with whom we disagree, that um, we want to go back to our roots as a culture and advocate as best we can that love be at the heart and at the root of it. Now, let me say this about love. Love is a tricky word in our culture. So if I can, Carol, uh, let me just define what I'm talking about. For a lot of people, love is this a bland, broad, whatever you want it to be. It's acceptance. It's tolerance of all things. Um, and that, that's the way it's often used, especially when people realize something's wrong and they just have this accept everybody, let everybody have whatever they want. Just love people, love the, love the outcast, love the, and all that's true. As long as that outcast isn't conservative or Christian or, you know, as long as they're not saying something that uh, is contrary to what I want. That's right. So we suggest a different definition of love. I think love really has to have a definition. Now, historically, there's been a lot of uh, empathy for the Christian framework of love, which is built around Jesus and how he loved. And that kind of gives us a context. And the difficulty today is people make Jesus fit their definition of love rather than letting their definition of love be formed around who Jesus really is. So let me give you a shorthand version of a definition of love. <clears throat> so love is grace and truth in action. And so for a Christian following Jesus, the desire is to be full of grace and truth in what you do. So grace means uh, leading with compassion, understanding mercy, serving others. It's really caring about people, but it's not done in such a way that eliminates truth. And we all appeal and need to be grounded in that which is true at the same time. So we live as best we can pursuing truth and upholding truth while doing it with an edge that, leads, that is led by love. So there's a natural tension, but love means we're going to take the lead in showing tolerance, acceptance, and patience for those who disagree with us. But we're also going to be truthful. We're going to, we're going to speak the truth kindly as best we understand it and not get bullied into abandoning truth. So it's, a, it's an attitude. It's being kind, thoughtful, and gracious uh, with everyone, including those we don't agree with. Well, would you say that one of the problems of the church and progressive Christianity is that love, as they define it, among progressives is used to pretty much uh, to tolerate forms of behavior that are contrary to the Bible? And so with tolerance, tolerance is good. We want everyone to accept, accept the results of the elections across the country. But uh, at the same time, when we're talking about spiritual things and we're talking about uh, the world system versus what the Bible says, isn't tolerance kind of dangerous? And yeah. has the left redefined the word? So yeah. should we be using it? Yeah, so what you see on the left, and then it's influenced... Uh, Christians is this view of tolerance, which means to accept in the moral realm, just kind of accept and let everybody do what they want to do. And then uh, under that kind of pressure in the church, the church is kind of following the same thing, that it's absolute grace, mercy, kindness, and acceptance of everything. 
it reflects as well, like the sentiment of love, which is really more feelings, uh, is because the foundations of truth and seeing things as right and wrong uh, for a Christian uh, based on the Bible or not, based on morality, it's been eroded. And so in the face of erosion, everybody's just kind of saying, well, we just got to get along and, and love one another. When in fact, you, you need to do both. It's we want to advocate for tolerance. We want to show grace and kindness, but uphold truth. We do it in our homes. We do it in our churches. We do it in our schools where it's this classic understanding of it's, it's right to uphold what's true and right and not bully others, to show compassion and understanding for them. But we won't be led to give up one or the other. We won't be led to give up grace and kindness, and we won't be led to give up on truth. We're going to hold to both. Right. Well, we're going to take another break. And when we return, I want to get your advice uh, for people that are just truly struggling. They may not even be spiritual people, uh, and they are having a difficult time right now. What if there was a book that took the mystery out of prayer, one that made it easier for people to pray God's Word with miraculous results? There is such a book, Joy Lamb's The Sword of the Spirit, The Word of God is a handbook that has changed the lives of thousands of people around the world. You can order your life-changing copy from Joy Lamb's website, thesowardofthespiritbook.com. Order Joy's book and listen to her audio prayers while you're there. I'm back with my guest, Bobby Harrington. We've been talking about uh, the post-election trauma and uh, tolerance and love and all of that good stuff. And uh, Bobby, there's some people out there that are hurting. And Bobby is a pastor if you tuned in late. And this podcast um, if you're listening to it on the radio, you can go to my website, bethepeoplenews.com or the americaoutloud.com uh, website, and you can listen to it again. And it's also on the apps. So, Bobby, what do you have to say for people who are truly suffering? Yeah. <clears throat> you know, uh, it's, it's kind of a distressing thing to see people who are suffering and at the end of the day, we've just got to go back and say, what's at the core of who we are as people? And I hope it's that we want to love for Christians again. We want to love other people the way Jesus did. And on the left, there's going to be anger. And on the right, there's going to be anger because we've kind of lost that middle ground as we've been talking about. And there's people uh, that want to cancel us and shut down our voices so I think the key thing is to be spiritual people and to say, you know, in the midst of this, I'm going to respond with love. I am going to be a gracious, kind, understanding, and compassionate person, but I'm also going to be grounded in my best understanding of what's true. I'm going to speak the truth as best. Under I'm going to conform my life to what is true as best I can understand it. Carol, let me remind everybody of something that happened not very long ago, although it seems like a long time ago. And that's uh, as the nation watched the confirmation of Amy Coney Barrett. And I actually think it's a great picture of both attributes. Now, politically, whether you agree or disagree with her, uh, everybody just has to admit that she's a great example in 
Amy Coney Barrett's hearings. She was the epitome of both grace and truth. Her grace, she had poise, she was gentle, she was compassionate, she sought to uh, show understanding. At the same time, she was a lady about truth. She stuck to her guns. She explained her understanding of the Constitution and truth. In fact, she made it clear to everybody that truth for her was not her own personal truth, but there was an objective standard out there, in her case, the Constitution, and that's what she wanted to uphold. And I would just say that the great religious traditions give us truth. For those of us who are Christian, Scripture gives us truth. So in the midst of being love and living out love, we want to uphold the truth. And I think it's always the right time to uphold those attributes. Well, Bobby, uh, what would you say to people who are atheists and uh, secular humanists? And they, well, one thing, they don't believe in God, so it doesn't matter how many scriptures you quote. Yeah. And they believe, many of them are good people. They want to end suffering. They want to change the world in a positive direction in their uh, view of what would be positive. Uh, what do you say to them at a time like this? How can, you, how can we connect to people who don't share our values, who think we're crazy? Yeah, <clears throat> I think that's a really good question because uh, more and more people, if, if they're not explicit atheists, uh, they're more agnostic about the things of God. Carol, in a previous life, I uh, did graduate work in philosophy, and uh, the department I was working in uh, had a lot of atheists because it was a philosophy of religion. <clears throat> and one of the things that I always found true, uh, especially of hardcore atheists, is uh, how moral they, they are. Um, oftentimes, um, people who are atheists uh, have a, a very strong reaction against Christianity or against Islam or something in their past, but they, they care about what they think is right. So one of the things that I actually feel is that historically atheists are much more comfortable in a society with liberal values where, you know, you want the open exchange of ideas. They may not agree with Christian or uh, Muslim or even Hindu ideals, but the idea that you discuss them and you try to have a rational foundation uh, is typically a value that uh, I find that atheists uphold. Now, Bobby, I would argue that's the way it used to be in the universities and among the older faculty or faculty that I was, uh, I worked with at Princeton and Vanderbilt, there was a generation of people that were very much like that. But I would say, um, among the ones that came in that were under 40, it was a whole different viewpoint about um, the classic liberalism that's been positive that Dennis Prager and others talk about. I feel that that is waning, not just in the world, but yeah. in universities. Well, it's definitely uh, being replaced in universities, as you and I have discussed about critical theories and, and social justice theory and all of that, which really has an underpinning strongly influenced by Marxism. And because of that, there's an intolerance like we've been talking about. I'd like to believe though, even with the most leftist people, if you can sit down and have a conversation over a cup of coffee uh, and, you know, and you can try to discourse on these things, 
Nobody wants to ultimately buy into the whole leftist idea that there's no rational foundation and you just, you just pick this paradigm to believe because you wanted it. <clears throat> so I think um, conversations about how is our view of life really based, like what's it based on? It doesn't do any good just to say all my liberal friends think this way and, and this is a great way of interpreting the world. Like that's just faith and it's faith with no basis. Right. Which even a good Christian would never uphold that. So uh, I think at some point we just have, have to have conversations over coffee. <clears throat> I think though that God made us, including atheists, that we all have a sense of what's right and wrong. And I think that if we can just be kind and compassionate and appeal to what's right and wrong, uh, that that's the best environment, even for atheists. And, and there we're talking about the conscience that uh, most people have, but we learn in the Bible, I guess this is in the Bible, uh, Bobby, that you can have a seared conscience yeah. that doesn't do you a bit of good because it, it's not working. Yeah, that's true, Carol. Uh, there's a, Paul wrote some books that are called First and Second Timothy, and they do talk about that. Um, and we can also buy our choices. Uh, the Bible describes a culture that rejects God and uh, develops a hardened thinking. A darkened thinking is the words the Apostle Paul uses. But we still pray, uh, those of us who are Christians, that we will all be people who pursue truth and do so with kindness and I think that for all people at the end of the day, if we can have those conversations, that kind of thing matters to us. And Bobby, uh, I really always love having you on the show. And I'd like for you to tell our listeners how they can learn more about what you do other than being the senior pastor at Harpeth uh, Christian Church. Yeah. So Carol, let me tell you, thank you for that, by the way. So there's a website called renew.org, R-E-N-E-W.org. And what we seek to promote there are the best, the best thinking uh, on, on biblical truth and culture. What does the Bible really say? How do we help that to work out? And we emphasize the things we're talking about, how we got to love each other. But in the midst of loving each other, we want to advocate to renew the teachings of Jesus. And uh, we'll try to be very respectful of those who disagree with us. But uh, I hope you'll go to renew.org and check out some of the information. Thank you so much. And for everyone out there, one thing that we can do, regardless of whether we are happy or sad about the election, if uh, you're happy with the results, you don't have to gloat. You don't have to rub it in on Facebook and social media. You don't have to wave a red flag in front of someone. That's not truly being the people. So my call to you is be the people who help heal America and move it forward. And we do that by accepting the results of the election, by loving one another, and by working together for positive change. And so until next time, be the people who change our nation and our world.